Thank you to the worship team that has led us into the presence of God, into this position of surrender. <clears throat> and just shortly after, after this, we're going to continue on that note. I think this is a good note to, to continue with. Eh? So um, this morning, I'm going to continue. We're busy with a sermon series on emotions. And um, last week, you already discussed and listened to a sermon on anger, the emotion of anger. And today, we're going to move in a different direction. We're going to talk about hurt. Whom of you have heard that saying, um, hurt people hurt easily? Have you heard that saying before? There's quite a bit of truth into that. If you think about it, it goes two ways. If you are a person that's being hurt in your life, you are easily hurt again. The other side is, well, is, is true as well. If you are a person with hurt in your life from before, you easily hurt other people. You see, hurt goes two ways. We are hurt, and in the same time, we are hurting people. And we would justify ourselves in our hurt to say, but I am hurt. And yet, in our hurt, we are hurting people. So today, we're going to look at the emotion of hurt. I want to ask a question about relationships. Some of you have been in a relationship. Is there any relationship on earth here that does not at some point cause hurt? If you find a re relationship like that, would you raise your hand? We want to see you afterwards and get more into that relationship. It sounds great. It means that everybody here that did not raise their hands, just look around. Everybody is acknowledge acknowledging that somewhere in relationships you get hurt. It means all of us. Is there any relationship on earth that doesn't make us at some point feel unsafe or uncertain? I don't know where I am now. I don't know if I'm still loved as I should be. Am I okay? But to understand the emotion of hurt, um, hurt basically consists of two things. It can either be a hurt feeling or a hurt heart, hurting heart. Now, hurt feelings occurs when we take others' behavior personally. This morning we come to church and Harry decides he's not greeting me this morning. That's his behavior. And I take it personally, and I'm hurt by it. Harry is not aware of it. He didn't even notice me whatsoever noticing that I'm hurt. That is what we call offense. You see, offense is not given. Offense is taken. Harry didn't give me offense if he didn't greet me. I took it. It's my own hurt. It's a hurt feeling based on someone's behavior, which I took very personally. Let's just give a moment. There's someone needing attention. I see there's already people attending to that. Harry, would you just maybe also go have a look? Let's pray. I can't see who it is, but Father, I just pray in this moment for that person that needs you right now. Jesus, I pray that you will just come and touch that person right now. Thank you for your healing virtues. I pray for healing virtues to flow right now. I pray, Lord, that you will just bring calmness and peace 
into the situation. And thank you, Lord, that you are the one that brings healing, that, that touches us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to give them a chance to, to respond to the situation. So I would like us to continue, if it's possible. Sing again. I surrender all. I surrender all. Oh, to thee, my blessed Savior. Right, so we're going to continue with the preaching of the word. They have the situation under control. Um, but we can continue to pray in our hearts as well. So there are hurt feelings that we get and there are hurt emotions uh, and a hurting heart. A hurting heart is a bit different than just hurting feelings. Hurting feelings is when we take someone's behavior personally, like I explained. It's, it's offense. But a hurting heart is when other people behave in unloving ways that causes deep feelings of loneliness, heartbreak, grief, and helplessness. That's when someone's actions are violating certain uh, boundaries in our hearts and causing extreme um, amounts of pain in our lives. That's a hurting heart. It's more than taking offense. Because offense can many times be taken incorrectly or inappropriately. We can be a bit oversensitive sometimes, but sometimes people's actions are just not right. Their actions are not right. They are abusing. So how do we get hurt <clears throat> through people's actions or circumstances? We get hurt through various ways. One of the ways is through loss, suffering loss. There are different ways of suffering loss. It can be losing something or it Losing someone, maybe a loved one. I've lost my father about three years ago through death. I've also lost my grandfather many years ago, whom I really loved. 
and working through that loss is painful. If you are in mourning due to loss, you have to grieve. It's painful. Then also disappointment. Disappointment comes from expectations. We have certain expectations and then it doesn't realize and it, and it translates into a deep disappointment. We've already shared the story. Before Abigail was born, we struggled to fall pregnant and then we had to go through fertility treatment and we had to uh, go through two in, um, fertility processes which is, you know, extended our faith. It cost a lot of money and both of those procedures failed. You can just imagine the deep disappointment from that. Situations in our life happens where we had a certain expectation and it didn't realize. So it's not necessarily always a person that causes hurt in our lives. Sometimes a situation, a circumstance. It might be divorce, a broken marriage. Even the pain leading up to that divorce. The betrayal. Betrayal happens in close friendships or in family. You have someone that you allow close to you and then it feels like they've stabbed you. They've broken your trust. Abuse. Physical abuse. Um, sexual abuse. Emotional, verbal abuse. Those are things that cause us a lot of trauma and pain in our lives. I've been sexually abused when I was a boy, for instance. And it has caused a lot of damage in my life. Abandonment, neglect, and rejection. It's one of the things that we fear most in, in, in society is being rejected. We want to have a feeling of belonging to someone and feeling accepted. And the moment I get the signal that someone is turning their side on me, I already feel the pain of rejection. This is real, hey? We all are affected by this. Uh, Brene Brown is a writer in the book of Atlas of the Heart. She just sort of put things together and she says, the places we go when we are hurting, as we go to feelings of anguish, hopelessness. Anguish is like painful shock. It's like a disbelief. You can't believe what just happened here. You are so much in shock. Hopeless. That's what we feel when we are hurt. You lose all hope. You can't see beyond this point. It feels like you are stuck in this pain and there's no hope beyond this. Despair. It's almost like a downward spiral. Sadness. Grief. Those are the emotions that we go to when we are hurt. So sometimes we explain to people and we would say, people would ask, how do you feel? I would say, I'm hurt. It's true, but hurt means it's something that happens to me. I am hurt. How does it feel like? It feels like anguish, it feels like despair, it feels like sadness, it feels like pain. And then how do we respond to this normally? Typically, our human tendency is to have emotional reaction. What do we mean by that? That means that we have certain behavior that's actually caused by our emotions. So instead of dealing with the hurt, what we'd rather do is we withdraw socially and say, well, in that case, I'm out. You won't see me again. Uh, my dad used to do that with us in the home. You know, when it, things didn't go his way, he would say, well, then, that's, then I'm out. You, are, you need to go on without me. Then you have to feel, oh, my life's going to fall apart because he's now out of the equation. That was a form of manipulation. Avoidance. Avoidance is just like ignoring the whole situation. There's an elephant in the room. You just don't, don't going to deal with it. 
it's going to go away by itself, you hope. Suppression means instead of feeling what you should feel, you try to push down the feeling of hurt. It's like a ball in a swimming pool. Have you ever tried to take a big ball and put it, push it down under the water in a swimming pool? You can do it, but you can only do it for so long, eh? Then at the wrong moment, this ball just jumps up with a big splash. And that's what happens with our emotions when we suppress it. We try to keep it under control. We push it down. We push it down. And at the wrong moment, someone just looks at you in a certain way and it all comes out. You know, the ugly cry. Or bitterness and rage or revenge. These are behaviors that we would rather choose in our human tendency. It's almost like having these two sides of a pendulum. On the one side, we can become very aggressive. It's called aggression. Anger bursts out. We lash out at people. And we people would think, you, that's an angry person. No, you have to look deeper. That's a hurt person acting like that. Because anger is a secondary emotion. It's always protecting what is vulnerable. So we would portray ourselves as this angry person, a bully, and we would lash out and scream and fight, and, and in some way we feel better. Or we go to the other side of the pendulum where we just simply withdraw, and it's called passive aggression. Silent treatment. Well, then I don't speak to you. It's not as aggressive as the anger on that side. It is still anger. You are still as angry as on this side. But in the same sense, you are still as hurt. You're just not dealing with the hurt. And that's what we typically do. Don't look around and blame someone. Don't say it's still fun. No, we all do this. This is our human tendency. We'd rather do all these things. Why do we do this? Why, do we, why don't we just deal with the hurt? Because it's not comfortable. And these behaviors are a way of self-protection. We're trying to protect ourselves. We try to keep people away. That's what we do. If you're not lashing out at them, you are silently pushing them away to say, well, I'm not speaking to you. In the end, we try to block people out because people is the reason for our pain. And then what's the end result? People get hurt, and we are stuck in the hurt. So how is it working for us if we do this? Is it working? How should we respond? Let's look rather at Scripture to see how we should respond to hurt. Okay, so we're going to go to the beautiful chapter of Matthew 26. And we're going to today look at the Lord's Supper. So I need four volunteers. I need a Jesus in the house. Who can be a Jesus in the house? I need a Jesus. Come on, who would be the Jesus? Either you volunteer or I'll pick a Jesus. Pierre, you look like a Jesus to me. Come on, let's cheer him. Please come to the front. I need, I need a Judas. There's a volunteer for a Judas. Come. Come, come, come. Your wife almost wanted to take that role. I know she wants to. Let's, let's boo-hoo-hoo for the Judas. Come, boo-hoo. Okay, can, can you just put, put this table maybe right here? And then I need two disciples. Who would like to be just like ordinary disciples? Peter or John or... Come. This one, I need a, another disciple. Who would like to be a disciple of Jesus? No one in this house. 
Come on, one more. Thank you, Tony. Okay, Jesus, you may sit here. Judas, you may sit there. The two disciples can sit here. And you can make yourself comfortable, yeah. You see, in a Mideast, uh, Eastern culture, this is m more like it looks when you are sitting at the table. They call it reclining at the table. It's almost like lying down. All right. It already looks quite lacquer to me. All right. So I will indicate to you when to do what, but for now you can just enjoy sitting at the table. So let's read Matthew 26, verse 20. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. After spending about three and a half years with this group of people, closely, every day, they were not coming to church once a week, seeing Jesus on a Sunday and having coffee and then going again. They woke up in the morning with Jesus. They spent the whole day with Jesus. They went to sleep tonight with Jesus there. Can you just imagine how close you become living with Jesus for three and a half years? You are his inner circle, his close friends, his buddies. And then around the table on this beautiful evening, he says, one of you will betray me. And they were very sad. And they began to say to him, after, one after the other, surely not I, Lord. It's like checking. Let me just check. Jesus, is it me? Because he knows something that I don't know yet. So maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. And they were all checking with him. Then <clears throat> Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Lord. And Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. Now Jesus gave them all an indication. And he said to them, The one who puts his hand in the bowl with me. To Judas, he just said, yes, it's you. But to everybody else, he explained it in this way. Now, I just brought a bowl here. That's like a mini bowl. And normally the bowl would be filled with bitter herbs and things like that. And you would take the bread, and then you would dip, dip the bread in the bitter herbs, and you could eat it like that. That's typically a Middle Eastern uh, cuisine custom. Okay, And then you eat it. This has got balsamic vinegar on But it's the dipping in the bowl. That's what he was talking about. Jesus and Judas would put their hands together in the same bowl. Not yet. <laughs> so let's look at Judas. How did Judas respond to hurt? And you would say, Judas, hurt? What hurt are you talking about? We all know the story from here. Who got hurt in this story? Jesus. But what about Judas? If we go back one step, before this last supper, there was another evening supper. Jesus was invited. And at this supper, there was a woman, and she came and she washed the feet of Jesus, and she poured out very expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus. And the whole house was filled with this fragrance. It's beautiful, huh? But then the disciples, the Bible says, the disciples were arguing with one another, and they said, but... What a waste. If you go to one of the translations, you would see that it's actually Judas speaking up. And he's saying, 
What a waste. We could have used this bottle of perfume and sell it and use all that money. It would give us like a year's provision. And we could um, hand it out to the poor. Sounds like a very noble... He could be the social responsibility leader of our church, eh? Judas. Thinking about the poor. Now, what a waste. It's just poured out. And then Jesus corrected him and that evening. And he said, what this woman did was for me. She did it unto me. And she prepared me for my burial. Judas didn't like it at all. You see, the Bible says he was the treasurer. He had access to the money. And he actually helped himself out of the money bag. So can you imagine what he was thinking when he saw this money being wasted? He didn't care anything about the poor. He just saw a lost opportunity. There goes my money. I can make use of that money. So when Jesus corrected him, he didn't like it at all. It was hurtful. It was painful. Whom of us like it to be corrected by people? Do you really like it? What's the feeling that you get when someone corrects you? It's uncomfortable. It almost brings pain because it's like exposing something inside of you and you're like, I, I don't like this. I don't like it when you say things like that. Typically what Judas did, he didn't like it. So what did he do? He sabotaged his relationships. He gave it all up. He suppressed his emotions. Instead of just acknowledging to Jesus to say, Jesus, this was hurtful to me. Why did you say this? I didn't like the fact that you said no to me. He should have been in touch with these emotions, but yet he was not. In that emotion, he said to Jesus, surely not I, Lord. Already thinking that I'm not agreeing with Jesus. I don't like this Jesus at all. I don't like what he's doing here. And yet he sits around the table and would say, surely not I, Lord. Can you see how he's suppressing his emotion? He's not in touch with his feelings. And then... He submits himself to sin. Even around this table, he had the opportunity not to give in to that sin. And yet, he gave in to the sin. Betraying Jesus for money. But you see, Judas just actually operated in the same way, the ancient way, the human sinful way. From the beginning, we see it in, the, in Adam and Eve and their story, their children, Cain and Abel. These two brothers were bringing offerings to the Lord. And Abel's offering was accepted by God, and Cain's offering, for whatever reason, was not acceptable to God. That's just a fact. And Cain became downcast. The Bible says his face was downcast. And he was actually angry about his brother's offering accepted and not his. And he was stuck in that moment of emotions. Did you know that God had a conversation with him before he killed his brother? But in our minds, we just think the offering wasn't accepted, so he killed his brother. That's how we tell the story. That's not accurately telling the story. When he was triggered with the emotion, God came and had a conversation with him. And God said to him, Cain, why is your head so downcast? What's going on with you? God didn't judge him to say, you shall not feel that emotion. God just had a conversation about it. He said, tell me about that. Let's talk. And God said to him, God explained to him, you, you know, if you do well, you will be blessed. If you're not do doing well. But then God said, 
Now that your offering is not accepted, now that you feel this uncomfortable feelings, now that you're hurt by the fact that your offering was not accepted, now you need to watch out. Because sin is lying there and it's looking earnestly at you. But you have to master it. God gave him an opportunity to say, think before you do now. What did Cain do? He ignored him. He just did the opposite. He went from his emotion, he acted from his emotion and says, well, then I kill my brother. Let's get him out of the way. It's his fault. God gave him a grace opportunity. Jesus gave Judas a grace opportunity at this table to say, I know what you're about to do, but you still have an opportunity not to do it. And we think sometimes when we act from our emotions that there was no time for us to make any other decision. It was almost like automatic. It is not true. Think about it. Whenever you are triggered by an emotion and you want to act, there is that split second where you know God is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you say, watch out. Think before you speak. Think. Why do you want to do this? And we ignore that voice, and we go straight into the behavior. And we say, it was instant. I, I couldn't help it. You see, that is learned behavior. Over time, you become a professional at that. That's why it's almost like spontaneous, because now it's, it's, it's a practiced behavior. So Judas, Cain, what are they actually demonstrating to us? Isn't that the way we are also... Um, Responding to hurt? How are you responding to hurt today when you are hurt? Are you sabotaging your relationships? Are you willing to give up relationships to hold on to your hurt? Are you suppressing your emotions? Or are you dealing with it? Or are you surrendering yourself to sin in the way that you act? What if Jesus on that night also acted from his emotions? What if Jesus that night decided, well, in that case, I'm withdrawing, I'm out. You guys are on your own. Where would we have been today? What if Jesus that evening would say, I'm just avoiding the issue, it's not happening. It's like in denial. What if Jesus tried to suppress his emotions of hurt, say, well, I'm not feeling what I'm feeling. I'm, I shouldn't feel this way. What if he lashed out? What if he said, well, I'm going to take it out on you. What would have happened to us today? What would have been the end result if Jesus acted from our typical human emotional reactions? You see, he didn't, but let's see in Scripture what he did. Now, here's what the Scripture says. Matthew 26 again. While they were eating, it's a process, it's going on. You know, sometimes when something happens and a painful emotion registers, it's almost like everything is brought to a complete halt. It interrupts your whole story, even in your mind. It smashes the party, doesn't it? It smashes the mood. So let's see how Jesus acted when, he, when the pain of, of a, a rejection and betrayal from his close friends registered in his heart. While they were eating... Jesus took the bread. Okay, do you see any withdrawal in that action? And he broke it. And he gave thanks. And he gave it to his disciples. (laughs) 
Do you see any avoidance in this? Do you see any suppression, suppression of emotions? You see, while eating means Jesus was very much aware of what was happening across the table. We can almost say, while being triggered by the painful emotion of hurt, Jesus continued. Jesus didn't stop what was planned for that evening. Jesus didn't hold back anything. He continued. Jesus continued with the supper. He was continuing with giving himself to his disciples. Then, secondly, he took the cup. Yeah, you're getting smart now. And he gave thanks, and he offered it to them. And he said to them, drink from it. And then he cleverly, he says, all of you. Now, if I'm really angry or I'm really hurt by someone, and something as intimate as this fellowship meal is taking place, I would not want everybody to be included. I would maybe want that person not to be part of this anymore. Isn't that what we do with relationships? We just block them out, don't invite them to the next party. Jesus says, I want all of you to still participate in this meal doesn't matter what you are doing to me right now. And he says, this is my blood of the covenant, which I poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And when they had sung a hymn, I'm not going to allow you guys to sing now, okay? I know it's going to be beautiful, but <laughs> they've sung a hymn, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. You're welcome to take your seat. Can we give them a hand? Pierre, you've been a remarkable Jesus. Okay, can we just say that? Okay. You must tell your wife. She must listen to that. <laughs> okay, but what happens here? At the table, everything just went on beautifully. But then Jesus took two of his, three of his disciples, Peter and two of the others, along with him to a quiet place. That was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Jesus became troubled and sorrowful. Can you see the emotion of hurt coming into his soul? He said to them, he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Have you ever faced an emotion of hurt where you feel the pain of hurt and the sorrow is so much that you just want to die? That in that moment, it feels like it's going to be better if I can just die, breathe out and die, because I can't bear the pain. Have you ever felt that before? Has anyone in your life ever made you feel such pain? So it wasn't a Mickey Mouse pain at the table that Jesus was feeling. It was so painful that he wanted to die from that sorrow. The hurt was immense. But what did he do? He was sharing that feelings with those close friends. He was telling them what he was feeling. He was expressing that emotion. Then he went further. And the Bible says, going a little bit further. Then, so it was leaving those three behind, going to a solitude place where he was alone. He then prayed to the Father. And he said, my Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Isn't that a prayer that we typically want to pray when we are hurt? God, just let this go away. Lord, just take this cup away. It's unbearable. I don't want to drink it anymore. He 
it's human. It's, it's a human experience to feel like that. And Jesus was just human in the sense. But then he prayed the significant prayer. He says, yet not as I will, but as you will. And there's something powerful happening in that moment in dealing with hurt. And we'll get to that now. Then afterwards, we see Jesus coming out of that prayer moment back to the three disciples. And he returned to them and he says, are you still sleeping and resting? Then he says to them, look, the hour of, is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. My betrayal is going to happen right now. That sounds like someone that's ready for what's going to happen. Hey? And he woke them up and he said to them, rise, come, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus was ready for that very hurtful moment when the betrayal actually happened. You know, if you know something bad is going to happen, and it actually does, don't you just want to run away? Don't you just want to hide rather? Are you really ready to face it? To wake people up around you and say, come, 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 let's be ready, come. It's happening right now. Jesus was ready to face the betrayer because he dealt with the emotion privately. He dealt with the emotion when he was with God in prayer. So how did Jesus respond? These three things I want to highlight. And we can see how it's going to be helpful to us. First of all, when he took the bread and he says, take, eat, this is my body, drink from the cup, all of you, I want you to share in this blood of covenant. It's poured out for your forgiveness. Jesus was strengthening his relationship through covenant. He anchored his relationship in covenant. And he says there's a covenant promise in us fellowshipping together in the, in the symbol of the bread and the, and the wine. Let's stay together. That was what Jesus was communicating. Even if Judas had in his heart to say, I'm going to betray you. I don't want to be part of this. Jesus communicated from his side, let's stay together. He didn't withdraw. He strengthened his relationship through covenant. Standing together. Staying together. Secondly, Jesus shared his emotions appropriately. You know, we have in Afrikaans culture this whole thing about men are not allowed to cry. What rubbish. Jesus is a man, a man's man. There was moments like when he was uh, approaching the tomb of Lazarus. There was a beautiful scripture, the shortest verse in the English Bible, and it says the following. Jesus wept. Have you read that scripture? What does weeping mean? It's different from crying. Crying can be a beautiful silent teardrop flowing down your cheek. Weeping means it's coming out. You know, you are crying and everybody can see it. It's that beautiful, ugly, ugly cry. Jesus was weeping. Jesus shows us that he was in touch with emotions. He didn't shy away from emotion. And in this moment of betrayal, he expressed the emotion. He said, I am, my soul is troubled. My soul is sorrowful to the point of death. He even described how it feels like. He measured the emotion to say, it feels like I'm going to die from this. This is how intense the pain is. That's what we do with emotion. We become comfortable to share it, to feel it, to express it appropriately. What, what do I mean by appropriately? He withdrew to a place 
where he was with a few close friends and sharing his emotions with them. That's what friends are for. When you go through something, who is the person or the, who are the people that you can phone to say, please, can I see you for a cup of coffee? I just need to pour out my heart and express that emotion and be there for one another. And also, Jesus surrendered his will to God in prayer. He gave his hurtful heart to God. He surrendered the cup. He said, I'm willing, I don't want to drink this cup, but I'm willing to drink this cup if that's your will. And from that moment, this is the end of, the, of that experience of hurt. This is the place where the hurt is surrendered to God. From here on, it's now God's will. From here on, God's will says, now go and love your brothers. Go and love the one that betrays you. The gospel says, pray for your enemies. Bless your enemies. You see, Jesus could do that because he came to the point of surrender. Sometimes we want to apply those gospel truths. I need to pray for my enemies. I don't want to pray for my enemies. I'm angry. Why would I want to pray for my enemies? You see, if you are stuck in your pain and your hurt and your emotion, you cannot apply those scriptures. But when you come to the place of surrender and you surrender that immense pain to God, then you are able to participate, to say, yes, it's still my enemy, but I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to bless that person. It's not denying the hurt, but it's surrendering the hurt to God. That brings us to a place of peace. And from that peace, we can actually face our betrayers. We can face the person in this world that can do the worst to you, and you can still bless them. Amen? So those are the three things Jesus did. And then we see what is the effect. We see Jesus on the cross, this famous scripture. When I thought about this sermon, that was the thing I thought about. Jesus on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I don't know about you, but many times when you are hurt, someone would say to you, yeah, but you need to forgive. Isn't that true? It's true. But it's not that easy to just simply forgive when you are hurt. Am I right? It's not easy. You see, the decision to forgive was not made on the cross when he, when he was hanging there. The decision to forgive was made in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was spending time with God in prayer. There he surrendered everything. It wasn't just surrendering the hurt. It's surrendering his heart. It's surrendering his right, his entitlement, feeling entitled, holding on to the pain of, of having the right to retaliate. It was all given up in that garden. That's why on the cross he could say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Because I've already surrendered my heart. You know, it's difficult when the nails are being hit to then make a decision, am I going to forgive now or not? We should already come to a place in our inner rooms with God, knowing that the world is, is broken, knowing that this world is messed up, knowing that in this world we're going to be hurt. We should already calculate that and bring that into account and say, Lord, help me now. To surrender myself so that I can endure when, when the nails are being hit. So that in that moment I can say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing right now. You don't wait for that moment and then think you're going to make that decision. 
That's why people are stuck in bitterness for many years, because they wait until that moment, and then it's too hard. It's just too hard to forgive. People will say, I know I should forgive, but it's just too hard. You need that garden of Gethsemane. You need your inner room with God. You need to surrender your emotions to God in prayer. If you sabotage your, your relationships in the way that you behave, you're going to struggle to forgive. If you suppress your emotions, not dealing with it, you're going to struggle to forgive. You're always going to have an excuse. If you do not surrender your will to God in prayer, you're going to struggle to forgive. So the, the, the Bible says clearly, we need to forgive. That's what we need to choose to do. But there's a process that comes with that. We need to either tap into the process or we're going to struggle to forgive. We're always going to forgive. There's an excuse. But today, I want to bring a good news. I want to, I want to share the gospel message with, with us today. And the gospel message, this is a summary from uh, Rice Brooks. He says, the gospel is the good news that God became man. And I want to highlight that. Can't we say amen and hallelujah to the fact that God became man? God became a man that he could also feel emotions, human emotions. God is not just sitting there above, and he cannot relate to our human experience. God himself became man and becoming exposed to a hurtful, broken world. And he allowed himself to also feel the emotion of pain and betrayal. Because he's a sympathetic God. He's a God of compassion. And it's not just feeling for us. It's not just pity from above. There in heaven, he looks down on us and says, Oh, poor you. I feel sorry for you. That doesn't do much to us, hey? He's a God that came into our world to say, Let me experience with you what it is like when your best friend is betraying you. When people are nailing you to the cross unrightfully, unjustly. Let me come along you to experience with you the sorrow that you have, the hurt in your life. I know what it feels like, says the Lord. I have endured that because I've become man. That is as important part of the good news as the cross and the grave that's empty. And he lived the life that we should have lived. Here's the good news. We don't know how to deal with our emotions. Amen? We mess it up. But Jesus got it right. He showed us that you can still have all these human emotions. You can even face the deepest hurt in your life, and still act without sinning. You can still act in a loving way. Yes, Yaku. And that gives us hope. Because now Jesus says, this is done for you. This is done for you. I've did it now, but now this is for you. And through Jesus, because we are in Christ, we are now enabled by the Holy Spirit to also do the same. It is now possible for us to be forgiving towards people that hurt us, to be um, people that can still love a broken world that is against us. Amen? We are empowered by this gospel, this Jesus that got it right. Therefore, you should not put pressure on yourself to try to become a better person. I'm going to try very hard. This today, I'm not going to take offense. No. Take that offense to Jesus. Take your hurting heart to Him. Surrender your will to Him. So again, to summarize, what did Jesus do? He strengthened His relationships when He was under pressure. 
through covenant. He shared his emotions appropriately, and he surrendered his will to God in prayer. So how should we respond? Exactly the same. When, when the emotion of hurt registers in our heart, instead of withdrawing or lashing out, let's strengthen our relationships. Let's remind ourselves of the covenant. Let's stay in covenant relationships. This spiritual family, being together like this, this is covenant relationship. We stay together even if, they are, if there's hurt. We share our emotions appropriately. Like I said, you need to have those two or three people around you. Jesus, Jesus built that friendship three and a half years ago so that at the critical moment he could rely on those three friends to say, I need to share with you what I feel. Don't wait until the crisis comes before you try to reach out to people and then people are suddenly unavailable to you. Build your friendships and have those close people around you so that you can share your heart with them. Strengthened and encouraged. And then thirdly, we need to surrender our will to God in prayer. And I want to put it straight. We need to surrender the entitlement to hold on to the hurt. We need to surrender the right that we think we have to take revenge. If you surrender all of that, there's peace. There's a peace of God. I'm going to give a moment for us now to reflect on where we are around this table. So I would like you to close your eyes. And this moment is not intended to put any person under pressure or to expose any person where they're at, but it's an encouraging, loving moment to give. It's an opportunity, again today, to be real. It's meant to, to create a moment where you can actually today surrender your heart, surrender your emotions. So if there's any person here today that while I was preaching, while I was speaking, you felt the Holy Spirit highlighted something in your heart. The Holy Spirit showed you the hurt in your life that, that, that's still there, the pain that's still there, that you are still not dealing with appropriately. He has been showing you that you have been acting from emotions, emotional responding. You've been self-protecting. You've been hurting people around you because of that hurt. And you want to just come to a place of surrender. Won't you just raise your hand and then I'm going to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. I know it's uncomfortable. It's not easy also to acknowledge but just raising a hand, it's like the other day I felt intense pain and I was just crying out to the Lord and I said, Lord, I feel like I'm drowning in pain. And it was like raising my hand. And then suddenly I just felt a peace coming over me just because I could raise my hand and say, I'm drowning. Don't be too proud to say, Lord, I need your help. So for those of you that raised your hands without anybody looking, please stand with me and I'm going to pray with you. We're going to sing this song softly. 
And this song is going to be encouraging towards you. We're just going to repeat the song, I Surrender All. And this is a moment for you to surrender. So, so I'm going to pray now, and then we're going to sing. Lord, Father, thank you that in this moment we can be real and vulnerable in a spiritual family. We can acknowledge when we are hurt and when we struggle to deal with it, Lord. And today I pray for every person standing. It's already taking a lot for them to stand now. But I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you will now minister to them. I pray that as they surrender to you, that you will just come and minister to them right now. That you will come and bring peace. That you will come and restore love in their heart. I pray that you will bring them back to the place that you want them to be. I pray that you will touch them right now in Jesus' name. I surrender all. I surrender all. all to Thee, my blessed You need to let go of that pain now. Let go of the pain. Let go of the hurt in the presence of God. Surrender it to Jesus. Surrender the brokenness now to Jesus. Let's worship together. that was said by Jesus and saying that uh, when I read it I realized that this is a promise that's given to us and from this we're going to participate in communion so today when we are participating I would like to encourage us not to do this as an individual alone or just as a couple a married couple but to find two or three other people let's make groups of three to four to share this together and why we do that today, as a spiritual family, we are renewing the covenant relationship that we have with one another. 
We are strengthening our covenant relationship by sharing in this communion. Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And it says, this is my body broken for you. I'm reminded of that scripture, Isaiah 53, that says, by his wounds we are healed. When his body was broken, we can have the hope and the promise of healing flowing through us whether it's physical or spiritual or emotional. And then he says, this is my blood shared for you. Forgiveness of sins. That's what he promises us. He used the word covenant. That means he's bringing us into a new everlasting relationship where you can have everlasting security in a relationship. If there's one relationship that you can be secure in, it's being in a covenant relationship with Him. It says this blood means you are forgiven with, uh, from God. God has forgiven you and therefore you can be in that relationship. It's a covenant. It's secure. Today, drinking from this cup means we are reminding ourselves that we are in a secure covenant relationship and that there is forgiveness for our sins. The band is going to minister to us Let's come, let's, let's participate at the tables, let's join three to four people ministering to one another.
Jesus.